Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, the show taking you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Zodos with KMOV. Well, spring is almost here. The weather is warming up and, well, the allergies, of course, are in the air. And that really means it is time for frozen cocktails on a patio. But for Brandon Holtzeter and Brad Martin, they'll tell you rain, snow, or sunshine, it's always time for a frozen drink in St. Louis. The two have been friends since they were teenagers, but it wasn't until college that that friendship turned into a partnership. Together, they opened two Pickleman's Deli franchise locations, but the draw to make their own business decisions kept them dreaming of something more. And the idea for a frozen drink bar inspired by the budding cocktail craze was born. They opened Narwhal's Crafted next to Slough's campus in Midtown in 2016, and eventually a second location in the streets of St. Charles in 2019. But another idea was churning, nachos. But they wanted nachos that went far beyond what anyone thinks of when they think of chips topped with cheese. The business partners put their heads together, and while the pandemic changed a lot of things, the new concept, Loaded, opened this year. The two join us on the podcast to talk about recipe development, the good and the bad, working through the hurdles in the hospitality business, and what comes next. So let's meet Brad and Brandon. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming for out. Us. Yeah, you guys are, we're sitting in your St. Charles location. You've just opened a new concept. What has the last, gosh, month and a half, couple months been like opening up a new spot? Uh, a blur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mostly it's been kind of a uh, uh, survive just, you know, one day at a time. Just kind of take it one day at a time. And, uh, you know, doing this during a pandemic has been challenging and different and you know we've had to just think about the way we open and how that correlates to narwhals so i mean there's been there's been a huge learning curve you know from you know getting our doors open to where we are now i mean we just kind of had our one month anniversary so feeling good with where we're at but uh yeah it's been uh, it's been a wild you know few months so a lot of people know you for narwhals but you just owed it, opened loaded so first off let's talk about loaded what is the concept why did you want to open it well, I'm loaded something that we've been talking about seriously for probably a couple of years, mm -hmm. which is why it's funny that you prepare for something for a couple of years and then the first month you're still learning so much on the fly. But um, loaded is like we call it a craft casual um, nacho focused concept. Uh, we make basically a bunch of different types of nachos, but things that might be unexpected, uh, appetizer nachos, dessert nachos uh, for entrees, taking dishes that might be familiar to, uh, to people in maybe a sandwich form, or I've had that as an entree at a nice restaurant, but reformatting it on chips. And uh, so nachos is at the center of the concept. And the other thing that's at the center of the concept is kind of the quality of the food. So. Um, different than maybe a lot of fast casual places. Uh, you know, we have an executive chef. We have, uh, you know, a whole kitchen team that's making things, uh, you know, top quality uh, throughout the day. But then it goes up behind the line and we can 
put something together for somebody in under a minute. So it's a, a, a dish that would be, you know, nice restaurant quality served in a minute. Um, and uh, so that's really the, the two main components of, of the concept. It's nachos and it's also just the chef, chef quality food. You mentioned that it's been something that's been spiraling around your mind for a while. Where did the, do you remember when you first got the idea, where it came from? I mean, it kind of came early on. So when we first opened Narwhal's uh, downtown, you know, circa 2016, you know, we opened in September and, you know, things were going great. We knew being a frozen cocktail bar, we would see seasonality and we opened that concept, you know, focusing just on cocktails, you know, keep it lean and mean, focus on what was important. That was, that was uh, the drinks. Uh, so food was never really something that was supposed to be part of the concept. And uh, so we always left it to the outsiders and you could bring in your own food. And, you know, we had our Picklemans up the street. So that's something we kind of always, you know, encourage people to order from. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, people could bring in whatever outside food they wanted. And that, and that seemed to work well. But uh, come, you know, colder times in that first year, we're like, okay, things are kind of slowing down for us. And again, we, we, we expected the seasonality and like, well, what can we do to kind of spike things back up or kind of, you know, gain a little more traction during these months. So we kind of started spitballing the idea of introducing some sort of food program, something simple, something, something that would kind of still fit the concept. Uh, And, you know, I think nachos kind of came to mind as something that's, you know, it's fun, it's social, who doesn't like nachos? And, you know, we thought there might be an option. Yeah, (laughs) uh, exactly. And that's what we hear all the time. And, you know, we, we felt that maybe there was an opportunity to kind of elevate that do that do that a little bit different and better than people might expect um you know but in a format that's you know familiar to a lot of people ultimately we kind of just realized the space that we had downtown just wasn't conducive to that yeah it's a pretty small space where you guys are yeah yeah i mean our kitchen downtown is in the basement and it's already very lean and mean just for us to be able to to do the drink so trying to introduce you can't put a fryer down there yeah so so there there was just too many challenges that were going to make that feasible and for us to do it to the standards that we wanted to Mm -hmm. it's like we probably could have cranked out some shitty nacho you know (laughs) something pretty basic but you know to us it's like if we're going to do something we want to do it right we want to do it the best way and we just didn't feel like we could accomplish it in that space there so ultimately it's like we kind of changed direction like you know we we stuck to the concept of narwhals and like the focus on the cocktails and we started introducing hot cocktails and things that we could do to kind of sustain ourselves a little bit more during the uh, winter months and that kind of fit who we were Mm -hmm. uh but yeah i mean i think the idea of nachos kind of always just stuck in our heads and we felt that it was something that had had some legs on it but how could we do that independent of narwhals because again it's like we wanted to keep the concept simple and not Mm -hmm. not have the food so that's ultimately kind of what inspired Loden, you know, you know, it, it just kind of stuck in our heads, you know, three years later, and then it kind of came to life uh, back when we kind of uh, saw the foundry and kind of the development there and kind of had some uh, some traction there and looked at looked at, at that as an opportunity to kind yeah, of... Yeah, was that an initially where you had hoped to open? Was somewhere closer to your original location for Narwhals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that kind of really got us motivated to do loaded when the idea of a food hall came out was it's like well you know you can really just focus on the food and the execution of the food but you know you don't have to build out an entire space mm-hmm. it, it, you know you don't have to worry really about a dining room because they've got people to take care of that or even like like just so many common areas it's like you just really focus on your 400 square feet it's like we could do that and it could be kind of a proving ground for the concept and then you know maybe make it into something more down the road um, but then that fell through and 
we had this space adjacent to us here in St. Charles open and we were like, we'd already thought so much about it. We couldn't turn back. Mm -hmm. Even after that deal fell through, it was kind of like, we're never going to get this out of our head until we just do it. And uh, so it was originally kind of as a food truck without wheels was, was the idea. And, you know, now uh, things have evolved a little bit since then. But, um, you know, once once we had that idea in our brain and you, really... you could kind of see it, it was like, well, we have to do it now. Yeah. So walk me back to 2016 is when you first opened Narwhals. When did the idea for a frozen drink concept really come into mind uh, to open here in the St. Louis area? Well, so I mean, Brandon and I kind of originally started as Pickleman's franchisees. Mm -hmm. So we opened our first Pickleman's in 2010 mm -hmm. in Midtown. So, um, and then we opened our second store in Creef Core in 2014. And, you know, Pickleman's, you know, we loved and it, it was a great model for us. And it's something that, you know, we felt like we executed really well and we learned a lot from. But, you know, being a franchise, you have your a franchisee, you have your limitations on what you can do. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, it, it's it's a tough concept to run. And uh, How so? there's just a lot of moving parts. I mean, just just being in food, in the restaurant food industry in general, it's like you're, you're dealing with your margins and labor, mm -hmm. you know, always increasing. But I mean, just with our hours there, like, you know, down on the Cleve, we're open until 3.30 in the morning. So we're essentially a 24 hour operation and we're, we're super high volume. So it's like, it requires a lot of staff. You do delivery. And we kind of turned that into a model to where that's kind of it's a beast on its own. It's like during your busiest times, we're running, you know, 15 delivery drivers. So there's just a lot of staff mm -hmm. that's required. Yeah, it's um, it's over, over 100 people between two stores, wow. you know, staff. Which always surprises a lot of people out of this little, yeah. you know, tiny sandwich shop. But, I mean, it, it, it does some volume. And, again, with kind of doing the late night and, you know, you get a strong uh, lunch, strong dinner, late night. It's like you have these kind of thir three meals that it's like you're really kind of going gangbusters on. And then you do catering on top of it. So. Ultimately, we yes, we thought a third store might kill us. Yes. <laughs> We're just like, is this sustainable? It's like, we don't, there's only two of us and we have a good team behind us, but it just requires a lot of time and attention. I think, um, I think if I can chime in, I think a lot of franchisees uh, in a lot of restaurants or just industries in general, I mean, most of the time to, to be a franchisee, you have to have a lot of money already. Mm. You know, you've made your money somewhere else and you're probably not going to quit your day job. I think a lot of franchisees look at you know, their franchise store as more of an investment. You know, Brad and I, I mean, we started out with, you know, the only reason we were able to get a franchise in general is because Brad was working from Pickleman since day one. Mm. And, you know, so we were able to kind of get an opportunity with that. But, you know, we were just always very involved in everything. And we had all these ideas and we we're like, we want to change this. We want to do this. But when you're part of a franchise system, you know, it's like, hey, that's a great idea, but we're still trying to get, you know, store B over here in another state to just do what we're already doing properly. So let's table your idea. And, you know, I just, I think we were still pretty young and just had a lot of ideas and we're like, we need an outlet to, you know, be able to express ourselves a little bit. And we saw an opportunity in the frozen cocktail world just because Brad and I I've always kind of enjoyed a good cocktail and we go have meetings places and, um, you know, have a drink at a nice place and, and seeing the things that were happening in the regular cocktail world and, and just some of the things with presentation and garnish and thoughtfulness and creativity. And then you looked at frozen drinks and it was like, it doesn't appear to be a lot of that out there, you know, I mean, it's rum runners and Mai Tais and pina coladas and 
margaritas and that's right. kind of what everybody expects and and we're like doing some market research and trying to look like you know is anybody kind of doing this idea of like making stuff from scratch using camparis and mezcals and different things that you wouldn't normally expect in a frozen drink like there just wasn't a lot of that out there yeah what was that market research like did you find anything kind of similar to your idea there was a handful of places that you know nicer like bars and restaurants you know around town around the country that you know they might have one or two you know nicer drinks or frozen cocktails out there that you know they're rotating but from what we could see there wasn't like an entire concept focused on that and again you you look down in like new orleans and texas there's plenty of like daiquiri like like the grab and go like daiquiri shops but those are going to be like the kind of overly sweet like sugary artificial drinks and there's a market for that but we just also felt like there was an opportunity to kind of elevate that do a little bit uh more thoughtful approach to that and so yeah, I mean, we didn't really find too much out there. There was a place in Kansas City that we felt was kind of similar to what we were doing, but I still feel like we were doing it on a different different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we were just very surprised that there really wasn't anything out there. Uh, no, as far as we could tell, nobody was garnishing frozen drinks, really, unless you went to like a resort and they gave you a pina colada or whatever. But like, you know, a, most of the daiquiri shops, quote unquote, weren't even garnishing drinks. Like, we didn't invent the flight, but as far as we could tell, we couldn't find anybody who was doing flights of frozen cocktails. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was simple things like that that it's just like, I mean, you know, there's there's an opportunity here that, that a lot of people just, I don't know, it's like it makes sense. We were kind of surprised that we didn't see more of it out there, but, um, you know, we wanted to, to take all the good ideas and, you know. And put them and, into one. And just kind of try to roll them into one and, you know, just like Loaded is now in the process of evolving. I mean, Narwhals has evolved a lot and continues to. Um, you know, we, we always want to make our drinks better, the guest experience better. Um, but, uh, but yeah, even just from kind of day one, I think a lot of people were just surprised. Even when they came into the space and they're like, it's not a tiki hut with mm-hmm. palm trees and whatever, you know. I mean, the, the whole decor is kind of a shift from what uh, a traditional, you know, slushy bar would be right and you know and that was all by design well that's what we tried to oh, I'm sorry. go ahead no uh and that's what we tried to do as, as a whole it's like narwhals is not necessarily based on just a good frozen cocktail it's it's more based on experience and providing you know that exceptional customer experience from start to finish so that it has to do with you know that obviously has to do with the frozen cocktails and the product that we serve but you know it is the atmosphere it is the customer service it is the cleanliness i mean there's there's a lot of uh intention that goes into what we do and we feel like all that intention matters to the guest experience and uh yeah our number one goal is just to kind of make it perfect from uh, start to finish so it's it's something that i feel like we've been able to kind of put into that mindset into our staff and our employees and really kind of build that off. And I think, I think that's noticed just in what we see in our reviews and our feedback. It's not always just talking about the drinks. It's sometimes talking more about the, just the customer service they experienced or how, you know, a bartender kind of guided them through the menu. Cause this is a different concept to walk into in a way. So sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming for customers to see like, Oh, it's not just coming in and ordering a Bud Light or a old fashioned. It's like, you see this huge expansive menu. So it's like, it's kind of our job to direct and, you know, navigate them and make sure that they get a drink that's good for them. And, you know, a lot of times you can make a believer out of someone who gets, you know, you get, you get a lot of the uh, boyfriends drug in here by their girlfriends <laughs> thinking that everything here is like fruity tootie and overly sweet. And it's like, no, we got, you know, mezcals, we got bourbon slushes. We're doing things a little more out there that you can kind of get them to try. And like, they, they kind of see it. And they're like, oh, man, like yeah. this is a lot better than I expected. And like that is kind of what we're about. <laughs> 
So you you had the idea. You already were in sort of that Midtown Slough area. Did you know you wanted to stick close to the Slough campus? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, we actually uh, originally had targeted the old Laclede Street bar. Mm. Uh, it was up for sale. The shack had been in there. Yeah. And... Oh. Uh, Many fun nights with penny pitchers at that yeah. bar. Yeah, <laughs> now it's torn down. That whole street's crazy. Well, yeah, they it's, they, it's they tore it down. Uh, it was an interesting story of why that deal fell through, but uh, ultimately, you know, it was one of these blessings in disguise because, mm-hmm. you know, we would have overpaid a, a lot, and uh, and the building was not in great shape, which is probably why it's demolished now. But um, the uh, the Gerhardt building that we ended up in was i mean it's really cool i mean we've been down in that area for for many years already and saw it before they rehabbed it and it was always just a very cool looking building and it's like late 1800s uh they had just completed this complete historic renovation like the the insides of the new spaces were just completely like you know white boxed and they were beautiful and and it was a very neat building building and it was the closest thing to pickman's right there on the cleed and uh so we kind of went in there and uh, we're, you know, just kind of felt like a good fit. And we didn't really look at much else. I mean, pretty much yeah. knew, knew that was going to be home. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew all along we were going to try to be, you know, real close to SLU, real close to where we had, you know, Pickleman's already down there. So it's just trying to find the right, the right spot there. And so we ended up in the Gerhardt building and now it's been about five years, which is hard to believe. <laughs> Do you remember that opening day? Uh, what was the reaction like? I mean, were people pretty... Excited? Was it a slow trickle? What was that like? You, remember, you know what I remember from the very first day was the AC. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> we had. Uh, it was about ninety degrees in there. The the machines all put off heat, and then uh, we had like about enough tonnage for like what would be like a, a t-shirt shop, you know, for HVAC. <laughs> And we had never packed so many people in before. It's actually kind of crazy to think about how many people we packed in there now after a year of living like this. Right. Uh, but I mean, it was it was elbow to elbow. This was like a like a friends and family type of soft opening thing, but the place was just full. And I think it got up to like ninety oh, something degrees. It was like degrees. literally about ninety. It was so hot. And everybody's just. But we're serving well, frozen cocktails, so we, <laughs> we really leaned into the experience. Yeah. Uh, so I remember in the very early days freaking out about the temperature, um, but that was just one of those unexpected things. It's it's like you don't think about that, and then it happens. You're like, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So what we do we do? Just, we were scrambling. <laughs> we cut a hole out in the floor, and uh, Keith had uh, doing one like of these, AC on the fly, like a little portable AC. Yeah, brought like a portable AC, and he's <laughs> venting it down to the basement. I mean, we were we were scrambling. You know, it was it was crazy, but uh, I'd say other than the temperature, from a customer perspective, that was good it was controlled like, you realize behind okay, the scenes, this is gonna work people yeah. are into this idea yeah yeah i mean behind the scenes you know we're oh yeah <laughs> what are we gonna do but uh but no i mean people seemed really receptive right from the start and um and it was awesome you know kind of the reception that we got do you remember thinking like this is gonna be our best seller this will be the most popular one mm. and was it I feel like we called the SBL, the strawberry basil, strawberry lemonade. basil lemonade. That was one of the first drinks we came up with. It's really I was good. Like, That's I think, my, I think <laughs> one of my go-tos in a flight. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I think this is, like, I think we got something here. And, it, you know, to us, that was, you know, everyone's had a strawberry lemonade before, but, like, the basil in there, I just kind of provided that extra oomph and, like, kind of set us apart in it. And I was like, I think, I think we are onto something here. And, you know, that has kind of been historically one of our top sellers ever since. 
Um, yeah, that's yeah like I mean, I one feel of the like only it, ones that never really has been messed with. Yeah, that one's you been know? on the menu almost since day one. So on the flip side, have you tried ideas that have just been total misses? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've done a few. Some of them have made it to the menu for a short time, and we quickly realize I don't think this has, is working, or we need to make quick tweaks to it. Because mm-hmm. uh, there, there's kind of a formula and a process that it goes to, and I think we've kind of really honed in on that and kind of figured out what that yeah. Kind of How special do you go about is. figuring out what works, what you like, what the customers are going to like? What's that process? We just try and be pretty diverse in our menu and make sure that we're kind of hitting different flavor profiles and kind of appealing to a certain customer. It's like we definitely have more of the sweeter, like fruitier type drinks, but then we kind of get a little more out there with, again, using like the mezcals and the camparis and the bourbons and the ryes, like something that might lean a little more towards like the actual like cocktail connoisseurs. Um, Because again, we don't want to have just everyone drinks all across the board. It's like sometimes we like some of these drinks that aren't the most popular. You, mm-hmm. you get people to try and they're like, I don't like this. And, and that's okay. Cause you get the other people to try and be like, man, I love that. Yeah. Right. There, there should be something for everybody and not everything can be a top seller. I mean, sure. you know, it, if, if, I mean, we could have, people are always asking us like bring back the espresso mudslide. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if we're going to bring back the espresso mudslide, then we get rid of the chocolate mudslide. And then the, and if we put them both on and please everybody, I mean, those sales are kind of cannibalizing yeah. each other. Uh, you know, we've got 14 different frozen drinks. We do kind of like limited time runs on, you know, the tester machine in the back too. And, uh, you know, we have a bunch of stuff. And so not everything might be a top seller, but if you're hitting a group of people that like a certain thing that wouldn't be pleased by, you know, and I've, we're talking about the strawberry basil lemonade, but not everybody likes the basil, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, not everybody's going to like that. I mean, can you just make like a regular strawberry lemonade? It's like, <laughs> yeah, but then that's not narwhals, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so like the blackberry mezcal paloma, which is on right now, uh, I mean, that one has a unique flavor. And if you haven't had mezcal before, you're kind of like, what is this? Is, you know, but for, but for a lot of people, that's their absolute favorite. Right. Um, and so we kind of want to make sure that, you know, there's a little bit of something for everybody. And, uh, like, I will say probably the one that we wanted to go, we really wanted to take off that, that didn't was the Negroni. Mm. Like, Brad and I both are Pains huge me. Negroni fans. And <laughs> still. The, I mean, I'm still, I'm still trying. I, we're gonna, I'm going to keep pushing it on. It'll, it'll catch. The Negroni is still my wife's favorite. Like, to this day, you know, it's like, when are you guys going to bring it back? But it was like, we just, that one just would not sell mm. you know and uh and that was kind of a shame we tried and tried and tried but finally we ended up being like all right you know maybe we can use campari still and mm-hmm. have a drink but spin it so you know mayan jungle bird was a you know a second attempt to get campari back on the menu mm-hmm. um and you guys do a lot of seasonality so that probably plays nicely into that ability to kind of get those creative juices flowing um how important was that to the concept that this was you know this is more than just you know sort of your your daiquiri bar you might find in new orleans well i think that helps us really combat like the seasonality to where it's like even though you're still doing frozen drinks in the winter it's like you, you play into those winter flavors and you're doing stuff more with winter spices and cranberry and apple you know so that way you stay a little more relevant and kind of play into the season um, but yeah, I think it's also just important to keep your menu moving and keeping it, you know, ever changing just because people do like that and it keeps it less stagnant. And 
you know, every time we post new stuff, it's like it gets people excited. When we post what's going away, sometimes it makes people like, oh man, the Ty Collins is coming off, no way. But, you know, it, it kind of creates a little bit of a novelty to it as well. Um, to where it's like when you bring it back, it makes it that much more exciting mm -hmm. for that person. So, you know, we're, we're always kind of changing it by now. It's like we probably have a portfolio of over probably close to 75 recipes by now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, that things that are kind of just archived that are able to kind of come back into rotation whenever we feel like it. And again, it's like we kind of have these test machines. I mean, we have machines all over the place now. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it is kind of fun. Like, hey, let's throw on a new drink for this week. And we got the spare machine. So you can kind of just run things on a limited supply and just kind of see how they go. And yeah, it just allows you to have fun. You know, we're some of our regulars know to ask if Betty's working because Betty was the oh. name. Betty was the nickname of our first machine, which we <laughs> then continue to keep in the basement as a tester. And so when we're experimenting with different stuff, well, you got to do test batches and sure. freeze some stuff. And but then you freeze it and it's good, and you're like, what do we do with it now? Right. So kind of put a little hints out there on social media, <laughs> like working. ask if Betty's working, and, and we'll get you, you know. Yeah, like I mean, a small size free is that a, a big part of it, trying to figure out what does work frozen? Like a drink that obviously is delicious, not frozen. Is there a, a lot of tweaking that goes into it to make the consistency? I guess it's the consistency that would make it Yeah, consistency is one thing. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd say at this point, after this many years of doing it, I can taste something not frozen and kind of be able to translate what it's going to be like mm -hmm. after. Um, but it's not an exact science. You still have to have to test it out. Um, you know, sometimes flavors that you thought were kind of more in the background somehow get brought more to the forefront and vice versa. Um, sometimes it's like it tastes good on the first sip, but, you know, can somebody drink 24 ounces of this? Mm -hmm. So... That's, that's the tough part of the that's job. That's really it's hard part. 24 ounces, but it is important because, yeah, sometimes you just try to sample it and go, oh, that is good. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, all right, can you imagine drinking a full one of this? And it's like, maybe that's too sweet or maybe it's too heavy. You know, who knows? So this, sometimes we have to drink a whole oh, one. That's yeah. a tough it's, life. It's <laughs> Everybody likes sweet on the first sip. Like, that, that's one thing that I've found is, like, that first sip, it tastes sweet, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. Or, you know, but it can get really old after several sips. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... Yeah, it just just it, it's a lot of experimenting. I mean, usually on a lot of these, Brad will work on something or I'll work on something. We used to work on it, like everything kind of hand in hand when it all first started. Now it's like I'll come to him with an idea and I'll be like, I've got eight mason jars. They all have <laughs> one slight difference each, and I, I have like I have a sheet, so I'm like I'm not telling you what's different on them. I'm not going to tell you which mm -hmm. one's my favorite. Like here you go, and then we have everybody kind of sample it and get notes and and kind of do these blind taste tests. I, I remember one time going down to the walk-in and you had, I want to say like 20 rows of cups. <laughs> You're like, this is all one drink. There's something different about each of these. You need to go. And by the 20th one, I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm taking. I can't remember back to the first, I don't know. But uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a process and the employees help us out. I mean, we, we get feedback from, from them. I mean, we've had employees that have contributed a lot to, to the drinks that have gone on the menu. Um, you know, Hurricane Tony was made by one of our longtime managers named Tony, who used <laughs> to bartend down in uh, New Orleans. Nice. And so, you know, he knew a good hurricane. Right. Uh, and, like, we have, uh, was it, the Honey Rose Margarita that Maggie, our GM here in St. Charles, has been working on. Uh, what's, uh, what's Emily's uh, drink that she worked on? Uh, mixed Berry uh, Julep. Mixed 
mixed berry mint julep that she's working on. So like, you know, if somebody has a good idea who, who works for us that, you know, wants to give something a shot, then it's like, yeah, here, whip us up something. And then we'll kind of give our notes and, sure. and collaborate together. But it helps us out a lot, uh, you know, because you know, we got ideas, but we're only two people. It's right. like, hey, love to hear it. It is fun, but yeah, it's still a lot of work to come up with a new menu, sure. a new drink. So it's, yeah, the, well, the extra hands are helpful. And, you know, you mentioned winter earlier and that, like, fear of, okay, are people going to want a frozen drink in winter? What was that first St. Louis winter like? Do you, were you terrified that nobody would come in when it was... 10 degrees outside. It wasn't terrible, but it, it was just... Or did you have, yeah. yeah. We, no, we started out so hot. The popularity. Yeah, we started out so hot that it was kind of like, oh, like it was kind of just a reality check, mm-hmm. you know? But, I mean, we got hot, cake, hot cocktails on that winter. Um, and I'm trying to think. I mean, white chocolate peppermint, I think, was one. I mean, we, we, switched the, we switched the menu up. I mean, we got some pumpkin stuff on there for fall and... You know, then did some some winter flavors, and um, you know, I think we've seen that seasonality each year kind of level out a little bit. You know, because at first it was like you just have a hard time. It doesn't matter what you. It's like, hey, we got hot cocktails too, and we got these different winter flavors and stuff. But it was just that perception from people. Sure. It's like, well, yeah, and, and I'm not going to try in that the winter anyway. Right, it's just kind of yeah. the seasonality. Yeah. You know, but they're like, yeah, I'll be back in like April. So, <laughs> you know, nothing you can say will convince me otherwise. But each year that we're open, you get more and more people to come in and they realize like, oh, yeah, hey, this is actually a pretty cool place to be even in the middle of winter. And then, you know, that kind of builds on itself. So it, it's gotten better and better each year. And like I said, it's never been terrible. It's just. Well, we you know, tried to make our patio. I mean, being frozen cocktail, it's like we're kind of known for our patios and people right. love, you know, enjoying our cocktails on the patio. So during the winter, that obviously changes. Uh, so downtown, we, we tried to make it as all seasons as possible and kind of got it to the point to where our patio, I mean, only also by necessity, it's like the patio is almost, you know, three quarters of our entire seating in the place. Right. So uh, we, we need to capitalize on this. We kind of made that something that can be all seasons and used during the winter and the colder months, even when it's snowing. So uh, I'm, rem- know, I'm remembering having to get that enclosure up in the middle of winter. We're trying to figure out how are we going to enclose this? Like we knew that it was supposed to be enclosed all along. That was the plan, but it's like cold weather hit and we Mm -hmm. weren't ready and we didn't have an answer to that. You guys probably had that issue way before this year where everyone was scrambling. We we did that back in 2016. (laughs) That was was us five years ago. We've got some advice. Yep. We we were ahead of the curve, especially here. I was like, you know, we're we're set on our patio. We don't need to do anything. Yeah. But I mean, we were up on ladders with like, you know, trying to get these marine snaps in and we're just like, (laughs) we got to figure this out. And then we put it up and like, we'd have these rains because it's like a, it's almost kind of like a skin uh, it's, it's like a, a stretch, canopy, it's like, like a canopy awning. stretch awning thing. It's a historic, so the building is like a historic renovation. So they wouldn't limits. let us put a fixed roof on the back there. So we're using this uh, stretch fabric and we're trying to get it on there. And then we're like, all right, this looks good. I think we did it. And then we had like a rain and you go out there and the thing is, oh, you has like a bath f- in it. four <laughs> pockets that are almost touching the ground. The whole thing is sag. They thought and we're the thing like, was coming down and... So we're up there trying to push it up with brooms, and it weighs a million pounds. And like our shirts I remember off, Ty- off buckets of Tyler, water, Tyler's water up there. Off. We finally figured, you know, he's finally, like, was sucking on a garden hose, got it to siphon out, <laughs> and you're moving it. We're like, all right, so then we go These back. These are the things no one thinks about, no. the no. challenges of owning a business. Absolutely not. So then we get back with the contractor. We're like, we need, like, some support structures here. 
and then they come out and they do it and then be like, all the right, water just moved somewhere the water else. just moved over here. We still have to figure this out. So, yeah, that, I remember that from that first winter. It's it was good just now. Scrambling it's not going to, anywhere. No, no, it, it's cool now. Besides the last year with the pandemic, what has been the biggest challenge in opening up brand new concepts, um, opening up second locations, opening up a brand new concept? What, what's been the challenge for you guys? Or has the pandemic been just the most challenging? I mean, I feel <laughs> like everything is kind of tied to the pandemic after this last year. I mean, we, we were doing pop-ups here for Loaded back in late 2019. Mm. So, uh, you know, the pandemic really, like, slowed things down. Like, we anticipated being open middle of 2020. Um, but, you know, that didn't happen, and the pandemic played a large role in it. But, I mean... I don't know. I mean, there, there's there's plenty of challenges just on a day-to-day basis of running a bar, running a restaurant, just in general. Um, opening a new concept is all of that plus a huge learning curve. But I I uh, I don't know if there's anything really remarkable other than just doing it during the, the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, just constantly trying to figure out what the right answer is. You know, you you're gonna do something that you think is very conservative that's going to keep people safe you know and your staff is grateful and many customers are grateful you get a lot of pushback from other people you know it's and then it's like well do you wait to open the new concept Mm -hmm. or you know you can't wait forever it just uh the answers have never really been as as muddied as as they have been in the last year it just is always hard to know what the right answer is. well and you guys also you know have two locations in two very different regions obviously in the city of st louis and then here at streets of st charles different rules different regulations was that a challenge to try to navigate and how you do that at both locations while keeping everyone safe from the overall perception i think that was the challenge it's like we went into it wanting to be consistent with how we were migrating our changes between both stores so it's like we didn't want to enforce one thing downtown and do it differently at our narwhals out here just because the technical rules were different so you know out in st charles where there was kind of less restriction than the county and the city we were kind of an outcast in a way on based based on kind of the how conservative we were being with our limitations and our seating and you know our group size and you know enforcing mass and this and that so we did see a little bit of pushback there um, and, th- and that kind of was the challenge was there's really no kind of unity between, you know, all the counties on who was enforcing what. Um, but, you know, we kind of stuck to like what we believed was kind of the right method and what would keep, you know, our customers and our staff and our people, you know, the safest. And, you know, we, we've kind of slowly made transitions to kind of get back to where, you know, we, we hope to get back to normal. Sure. And it's been kind of a slow and kind of uh, predicted um, path but you know I, I think by now it's like we've kind of found our stride and I feel like we're, we're able to kind of keep the majority of people happy while keeping our people safe and you know knock on wood we haven't ever had to shut down any That's of the stores good. or anything Come on, you, man. Know, you really got to say that out loud <laughs> you know it's funny I was looking at my planner from this week last year and I had a quote that I wrote down after um, interviewing Libby over at Second Shift Brewery and she said there's no rule book for running a business in a pandemic and I think that quote still stands true there's no rule book in running a business a year into a pandemic and it's you guys are trying every day to do the right thing i will say one uh 
it's been a good thing for us, uh, but kind of the question about what's been one of the biggest challenges during the pandemic, that it's not in the past year anyway. I mean, the curbside thing mm. has, has been a big thing and it stemmed from the pandemic, but it, it's been a positive, but that was one of the big things we had to figure out this past year too, was just how do we execute curbside efficiently and give people like a great product still and and do that sort of thing. So that has been kind of one of the biggest changes this year. Which is something we never gone. contemplated, which takes a lot more work than I think people might think or realize. Really? It's like, to you know, when, well. they, when this all started, it's like we closed, I mean, it happened on uh, St. Patrick's Day of last year. So we're almost at the one year mark to where it's like, we kind of voluntarily shuttered our doors and said, all right, we need to kind of close, like no more customers inside and let's kind of regroup and figure out, you know, what we're going to do. And voluntarily, but then a couple days yeah, later, a couple days it was mandatory. Right. So. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was kind of scary for us because we don't serve food. So some of these bars and restaurants before kind of this actual curbside was kind of written into temporary law, uh, you know, we're like, man, like what we, we, we don't do? serve food. So what are we going to do? Um, so l- luckily the curbside and the to go liquor, you know, thing passed, um, which There's allowed a- us, but yeah, I mean, it, it got us scrambling. I mean, in the matter of two days, like we had to figure out like, all right, to go packaging, drink carriers, like online interface, online ordering, how, how customers are going to let us know when they've arrived, you know, signage, you know, directions. So, I mean, there's a lot of elements that go into it and just in the matter of a couple of short days. That's like, that's something we never even contemplated with the whole, you know, Narwhal's yeah. concept is because we never thought, you know, to go drinks was ever going to be an option right. for us. So anytime and now it's anyone here came, to stay. Not, I, I hope it's here to stay. I think, so. I mean, I think, it's, I think they, the most recent they, is that they did officially well, pass I, it. I, I think, you know, this past okay. year has been a fact big, check myself. Been, yeah. Well, been we'll a big proving ground that it is that something that you know consumers want the businesses want and i think that as long as it's done responsibly yeah that at the end of the day you, you have to trust the individual to be responsible on it and you can't necessarily enforce and expect all the businesses to kind of take that hit so yeah i mean for us that's been kind of our saving grace this past year was to allow the curbside and now it's something that has just kind of turned into a second revenue stream or just an opportunity for us because we're still not 100% capacity and you know who knows when we're going to be but at least that curbside option gives us the opportunity to kind of be a dining room extension and to you know keep keep the uh, you know serving our customers as much as possible yeah I mean people people love it and this year has kind of been I guess a good experiment for lawmakers and society to like see like all right well what if we make this legal and you know Pretty much by all accounts that I can see in here, it's like it's a win-win for consumers and it's a win-win for the businesses. So yeah, I mean, I I hope it is here to stay, uh, and I think that um, you know just doing it well and executing it well, and like the team and Brad and you know they they did a fantastic job with that. Like just learning how to use technology in a yeah. way that we never did before either. It's like the table that we're sitting at right now, like these QR codes. So nobody, nobody could have used these. I a year never ago. used it's a crazy. QR code. I had seen them. I had seen them. They were always in magazines. I felt like I had no idea how I thought you needed an app for it. I remember that distinctly yeah. being like, well, where I do I get that? I think did back in like 2010 did. or like and something now, ridiculous. Like a long I used to have a scanner app, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I was like, I don't think I ever used it. I mean, but. who knew? I read a really interesting thing about like how, when QR codes started and like how the pandemic obviously just made them explode. And I yeah. find it funny when even my dad now can, who doesn't use anything with his phone, can look at a menu now 
by you scanning oh, yeah, I feel like that's what I mean a lot of people have just had to learn to adapt to that because it's a, you go out anywhere it's like to, to view the menu or order it's like 90% of the time you're using QR so so I mean while we're sticking with the idea of silver linings from the pandemic I mean just learning how to use some of this technology is something that we're going to be able to continue to do moving forward I mean with loaded Part of our challenge was it's like, all right, well, it's right next door. We cut in this window between the two places, but like they're two separate concepts, two separate businesses, like two separate staffs. How do you keep that separate? So what we learned from the idea of the QR codes on the tables and how to use those is so now there'll be like a loaded QR mm. code. Well, it's on the, it's over there. So customers can be sitting here inside Narwhal's order from loaded on their phone and have it brought over keeping the two transactions completely separate, but kind of making it feel seamless. And like without QR codes, I don't know how we would have done that. Never would have been something we would have thought of a year ago. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's just been a lot of other technology things that we've learned along the way that have been great. Are you allowing yourselves to, to really look ahead into the future post pandemic, what that looks like for the business? Are there more narwhals in your hopes and dreams? What, what does that look like for you guys? Um, you or know, a new concept. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd like to just kind of focus on on the concepts we got. Mm -hmm. I think for the time being, although that's uh, we say that, and then said that we've already <laughs> kicked around other ideas. So never say never. But uh, you know, with Narwhals, I think we've found it's kind of a destination for a lot of people. I mean, even when we opened here in St. Charles in mid 2019, a lot of people were like, "Oh my God, that's so awesome!" Because like I was driving downtown to come see you and it was like wow you're driving all the way from out here to downtown just to see us i mean it's flattering but like you kind of realize that it it's drawing in from a lot of places so mm -hmm. i don't think that narwhals is a concept that you're gonna have 10 of them you know in a, in a metro area i just i don't see it that way so i mean there's another location or two that i could envision but i think that's kind of it with loaded uh i i think sky's the limit kind of um but obviously the first one is the most important one we gotta we gotta make sure we're doing this right before we really turn our sights to anything else but um yeah i think uh right now the focus is on getting getting this off the ground right kind of getting through the pandemic we do have uh a new truck a new food truck that uh, has been being worked on for the past year and a half that <laughs> Uh, I think May is right now when we're expecting to debut that. So, um, you know, we're really kind of looking forward to getting back into like events and offsite stuff. And um, yeah, the food truck will bring its own, I'm sure, set of challenges that you guys will yeah. power through. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, it's offsite. I mean, last year was kind of a flop for anything offsite, but you know, previous years, I mean, we did pretty a lot of events. I mean, a lot of like weddings, corporate events. I mean. And then, like the food truck Fridays, Festivals. the uh, you know we've done as, as big as Lou Fest. I mean, taking the show on the road is something that is a yeah, fun opportunity, and it gets a lot of excitement. Yeah, uh, that's so sad. Uh, um, so yeah, taking the show on the road is something we're anxious to do again. And with this new truck, it's really something that we we invest a lot into, and that I think is going to be a showstopper when people just see this. You hear food truck, but this is unlike a food truck you've ever seen. Uh, it's been kind of custom built from the ground up and it's literally mini narwhals on wheels to where it's like it has everything you need. You pull up, it has power, water, refrigeration, machines, taps, and drinks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what more so, do you need? Power. Yeah, it, it's got uh, it's it's on an old RV chassis, so it's about 28 feet long. This wow. thing is, oh, it's, it's big. This thing's a bust. 
But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. We're excited It'll be a head to turn around. Yeah, so we're we're just excited to get that out. And you know, it's just it's just fun for us to be able to do what we do, serving our product, but doing it in different environments, doing it in a park. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So, yeah, I think that's probably probably one of my favorite things about this job is is doing like the food truck Fridays and the things yeah. like that. Um, you know, just just getting out there and taking the product to the people and. Uh, it's been a long time since we've really been able to do that. Really, really looking forward to, you know, hopefully Loaded will kind of be, we'll kind of have our feet under us by, by the time, you know, May rolls around and then we can, we can just enjoy doing that stuff again. talk about summer and events has us so hopeful for what's to come. It has been a year since the pandemic changed all of our lives, but especially the lives of so many in the hospitality business. So many of these businesses still need our support. So if you are out and about, remember to always shop as local as possible here in the St. Louis area or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And as always, if you have an idea of who you want to meet next on the podcast, feel free to let us know. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook at the Meet St. Louis Podcast. This episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.